Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Don't send me to uh, a place like uh, Singapore or uh, uh, Bangkok or maybe even our own San Francisco and some of the other cities of our own nation. Don't send me there. I'd rather go to someplace here. Paul was led by the Spirit of God to go to the depth of the depravity within that area, Corinth. And because of his faithfulness, because even when he faced opposition, he didn't leave. He just walked over next door. And he continued on with the ministry that the Lord had for him. And so not only did Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, come to faith in Christ, but now we start seeing individual Corinthians in that area, hearing, believing, being baptized. Paul was a willing servant of Jesus Christ. When a door was opened, he walked through it. When a door was closed, he found a different one to walk through. Paul never stopped sharing the gospel wherever he went. In our time with Pastor David, we are reminded that the purpose of the church is to share the message of the gospel wherever the Spirit of God leads us to go. And when we deliver the good news, people will continue to hear, believe, and be baptized just like they did in the early church. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, A Modern Church in Ancient Times. Hey, uh, we are starting a brand new study that's uh, on the uh, book of 1 Corinthians. We're calling it the, uh, the Modern Church in Ancient Times. I call it a modern church in ancient times because the, the church in Corinth had a lot of the same problems that you and I have today. They're going through a lot of the same issues that you and I have today. Solomon told us that there's nothing new under the sun. And though we might have a lot of technology that they didn't see back in the first century, the reality is is that our human nature is just the same. The issues that we deal with really and truly, they are just the same. They're simply uh, demonstrated and shown in different ways, but it's the same problems. Corinth had, uh, again, with, with all of the problems that they had on the outside, they had this appearance of a successful church, and yet that covered over this these spiritual cancers that were all throughout that congregation and the spiritual cancers that were in there, if they weren't dealt with, they would quickly have brought death to that church. And Paul writes to this church not only to point out these cancers, but also to to help the church to be able to get rid of these things and to become strong. Corinth was a, a, a wealthy church in the fact that it was in a in a community that was wealthy. It was a powerful community. It was a commercial center in that area. It was situated on this, this narrow isthmus of uh, land that, again, it, it connected this water passage between two seas, the I, uh, Ionian Sea and the Aegean Sea. And this narrow isthmus, they, they would actually take the boats up to the shoreline, and through a lot of men, they would literally drag the boats on shore, 
roll them across about 10 miles of land and then put them back into the other ocean on the other side. And it was a lot easier for them to do that, particularly during the winter, than to risk sailing down south of Greece and around all the islands there because of the treacherousness of the water. Because of the location of Corinth, again, the the popularity of it, the power of it was, again, just absolutely fascinating. The original city, though, is actually destroyed by the Roman Empire in 146 BC. They had risen up in revolt. They wanted to be their own little city-state within the Roman Empire, and Rome didn't go with dissension very well. Uh, They pretty well cut down the revolt by cutting down the city. They totally destroyed the city, and again, for a few years, it stayed in that situation. And yet, because the location of the city of Corinth was so favorable, at the time of Julius Caesar, around 46 BC, about a hundred years later, they rebuilt the city. New city was given then the status uh, again within the Roman colony. Uh, again, it grew in, in commercial importance. It, it became again one of the leading cities in that area. Corinth was a strategic center in a lot of ways. It was the hub of, of commerce as, again, merchants would travel south to come down to the sea and to be able to take their wares to different lands. Not only north and south was it an important place, but also east and west. It was an important place. A lot of travel through there. And because of that, the population within Corinth, it was mixed character. There were Romans, there were Greeks, there were Orientals. As a matter of fact, some historians of the time say that it was like the whole Roman Empire in miniature. It was just a little microcosm of the whole Roman Empire in this one city. One of the other things we know about Corinth, particularly at this time, their moral character. Uh, it, it was absolutely, literally and truly in the gutter. It was, it was wide open for the gospel message because of just the immorality that just permeated the entire city. The old city had contained the temple of Aphrodite, and there at the temple of Aphrodite, they actually had a thousand sacred prostitutes that uh, did their trade there at the temple. Well, when they rebuilt the city, they rebuilt the temple of Aphrodite, and so that continued on. It became a major influence in the tone and the morality of the entire city. A proverb of the day said, it's not given to just everyone to visit Corinth. And the whole idea, again, is the the perversion that was there within that city. The Greek word, uh, Corinthia Zomaya, that means literally to act as a Corinthian. And that meant, pardon the expression, but it meant that you lived your life in fornication. If you live like a Corinthian, that's what they're saying about you. Uh, every Greek, uh, one of the Bible translators of centuries past, or years past, said that every Greek knew what a Corinthian girl was all about. Another commentator, William Barclay, says, Alian, a late Greek writer, tells us that if ever a Corinthian was shown upon the stage of a Greek play, he was shown as a drunk. So that's the reputation of that city. And to that city, Paul comes with the gospel. Now, we, we look at our culture and we can think, our culture at various times at various places is pretty dark. It's pretty immoral, pretty base, pretty perverted in a lot of ways. But 
Can you imagine going into a situation and you're really and truly, you are the, the first influence of the gospel message in a place that is so dark and so perverted and so twisted. And you are the one that's coming in with the hope that all of these people need. That was Paul's opportunity. Now we could go on and on about the references and illustrations, but you get the idea, again, of, of, of the situation, the, the depravity, the, the, the immorality, the, the wickedness of that city. It was from this dark place filled with the sinfulness of man as Paul came in that the Lord opened doors for him. When Paul wrote the book of Romans, he wrote a a book of literally and truly a a powerful theological book there. Uh, Again, I've shared with you back when we were going through Romans that if you were without any book of the Bible, one of the best books, if you could only have one, the book of Romans is good because it's so rich uh, theologically. And yet when we get to the book of Corinth, it becomes a very practical book. It becomes a, a, a book that speaks to, to all of the issues of man, and even more than that, all of the issues of the church. Uh, the book of Corinthians, I mean, it was a clear illustration of the church working in the midst of a dark culture. And I think the closer we get to the second coming of the Lord, the more and more we're going to see that same kind of attitude of where the church is in the midst of such darkness. We think that it's dark now, and it is, but I'm afraid that before the Lord comes back, if he tarries much longer, it's going to continue to get darker and darker. Therefore, we need to be brighter and brighter with the light and the hope of the gospel. To help us to understand Paul's relationship with the church at Corinth, we actually need to go to the book of Acts first. So if you're in Corinth, take a left, Go two blocks to the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, chapter 18. Paul, in his missionary journeys, in chapter 17, he had been in Athens. And if you know the story of while he was in Athens, remember he went up on Mars Hill, and there on Mars Hill he got into this, uh, the, these philosophical discussions with the, uh, with the philosophers of the day. And there's no doubt that Paul, because of his intelligence, because of his experience, he was able to go toe-to-toe with the philosophers of his day. Paul was a very intelligent individual. But after he left Athens, then we get to chapter 18 of the book of Acts, he goes down just about 100 miles. It's a a couple of days journey uh, by ship uh, from Athens down to Corinth. And he goes down to Corinth, and then we read these things. In Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, after these things, after he had been in Athens, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. This was one of the times in the Roman Empire that, again, the Romans were afraid that the Jews were getting too powerful, too influential, and so they literally banned them from Rome and to drive them out of the city. This is only one of a few times that this has happened. Well, at this point in time, as Paul comes to Corinth, that's when he meets Aquila and Priscilla. Now, he goes on, he he came to them. In verse 3, it says, So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked by occupation. They were tent makers, and that's what Paul was also. 
Paul had a trade in life. Not only had he been, a, uh, I believe, a rabbi and a Pharisee during his time before his conversion, but as a Pharisee, he had to have a trade, and that trade was as a tent maker or a worker with cloth. The, the idea and the thought of the tent maker is kind of a widespread idea. He, he worked with, with cloths of all different kinds. Aquila and Priscilla also, and as he met them, they found out that they were of the same trade, and so it became a really good deal. These two Christians meeting Paul there in Corinth, probably of few, very few Christians at that point in time in Corinth, coming together and now staying together. And then Paul, it says that in verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So Paul, as he came into Corinth, there was a Jewish population within Corinth, uh, probably tradesmen of various sorts, and Paul would then on the Sabbath day go in to the synagogues, and he would begin discussing with them. He'd start sharing with them the truth that comes from the prophecies of where? The Old Testament. From the Old Testament, Paul was evangelizing and, and showing them the truth and the hope of Christ from the Old Testament. Let me ask you uh, you had to take only the Old Testament, could you go through it and share the gospel with someone in the Old Testament? For most believers, it would be a challenge, but let me encourage you. Take a look at that. Uh, If nothing else, go to the book of Isaiah. Go to uh, some of the Psalms that speak so clearly of him, and you can see very clearly the, the picture of Christ through that. Well, that's what Paul had, he didn't have the, the Romans road, okay, because he hadn't written it yet, okay? So uh, he, he's using the Old Testament, uh, again, writing to them. So he would persuade both Jews and Greeks. And then in verse 5, it says, and when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Now, apparently prior to that time, he had come in and and discussed and perhaps debated with them the Scriptures and the meaning of the Scriptures. But once Silas and Timothy came there, uh, there seemed to be more of a pointed direction toward his ministry, toward his preaching, again, truly declaring, no, Jesus is the Messiah. And it's at that point, verse 6 tells us, that at that point they opposed him and, they, and blasphemed and they shook their garments and said to him, your blood be on your own, or Paul uh, shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads, I, I'm clean, and from now on I'll go to the Gentiles. Remember, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, and we see here that though his heart As we read in the book of Romans, his heart was for his people, for the people of Israel. And everywhere that he went, he would try and, again, reason within the synagogue and share with the Jews. But God, uh, I believe, purposefully got him, this man who was uh, a Jew of a Jew, the Pharisee of the Pharisee, to go and and to share the truth of the hope of the gospel with the Gentiles. So here it is. The opposition came against him so strongly He finally said, you know what, from now on, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And verse 7 says he departed from there, but he didn't depart very far. (laughs) Uh, He entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. So (laughs) he didn't go far. Uh, He just went like right next door. He didn't stay in the synagogue because of the opposition that was there. But he went right next door, and again, there in Justice's house, he continued to teach and to preach and to share the hope of the gospel. 
verse 8 tells us that Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, actually came to faith. He, he believed on the Lord with all of his household. Now, that's, that's an important thing. That's a powerful thing. The ruler of the synagogue, that's, that's a guy with a lot of authority and a lot of say-so within that community of believers, and he came to Christ because of the faithfulness of Paul's preaching. It says also, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed, and they were baptized. And so here we see actually the birth of the church there in Corinth, because Paul was willing to stand and be a light in the midst of all that darkness. Let's face it. Let's just be real honest with each other. If we had the, uh, before us a place that would say, hey, you know, I want you to go into the darkest, most immoral slime pit of a city that's available. Uh, let's face it, most of us say, you know, couldn't I go to like Iowa instead? Couldn't I go to like, you know, uh, uh, the Midwest someplace? Uh, I, uh, don't send me to uh, a place like uh, uh, Singapore or uh, uh, Bangkok or maybe even our own San Francisco and some of the other cities of our own nation. Don't send me there. I'd rather go to someplace here. Paul was led by the Spirit of God to go to the depth of the depravity within that area, Corinth. And because of his faithfulness, because even when he faced opposition, he didn't leave. He just walked over next door, and he continued on with the ministry that the Lord had for him. And so not only did Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, come to faith in Christ, but now we start seeing individual Corinthians in that area, hearing, believing, being baptized. And it's interesting at this point in verse 9. I love verse 9. I think verse 9 is a very, very powerful thing for you and I to see and to understand. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision and said, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. But when the Lord comes up and says, Do not be afraid, why would he say that unless Paul was afraid? So often we, we put these guys in the Bible up on these high pedestals. And we think, wow, yeah, Paul, man, he'd just like stormtroop in there and, you know, take them all out. No, Paul was human, just like you and I. He, he was there in the midst of all the darkness of Corinth. He had shared the hope of the gospel, uh, discussed with them, uh, debated with them uh, there in the synagogue. The synagogue kicked him out. He went over to Justice's house, continued on sharing, yes, yeah, some were coming to Christ, but I believe that the opposition and just the overwhelming oppression of that city, can you imagine the spiritual oppression of a city, of a community, an area like Corinth? You could probably cut it with a knife. It was probably so heavy. And the Lord comes to him and encourages him. And I don't know about you, but I need encouragement every once in a while. I think every one of us need encouragement every once in a while. When we're trying to do the right thing, and probably in your life there's been those times you tried to do the right thing, it seemed like every step that you took toward right, man, there was a push and a push and a push, and, and an attack and an attack because you wanted to do the right thing. The same thing is going on here with Paul. And the Lord says, don't be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. He said in verse 10, he says, for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. Now, once you get that promise from the Lord, well, okay, if you're like me, okay, is that really you, Lord? (laughs) I mean, I want to make sure that that's you, Lord. And if that is you, Lord, then okay, Katie, bar the door, 
full steam ahead. Uh, man, I'm just going to lay it out because, Lord, your word has come to me. I know it's your word. You've encouraged me. You said that no one's going to hurt me. You want me to keep speaking. I want to go forward. I want to continue. And we see that in Paul's life, not only here in Corinth and as he stays there for quite a while, for a year and a half, but we see that in his ministry as he keeps going. Man, and in Paul's life, you know the story of Paul. Man, he's been stoned. He's been jailed. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. All of these things. But because he had that encouragement of the Lord, no, you're doing the right thing. You keep going. He continued to go. He says, you keep going. Don't be afraid. Speak. Don't keep silent. I'm with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. And verse 11 says, and so he stayed there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among you. Then Galileo was proconsul of Achaia. Now, Achaia is the, the region where Corinth is located. It's what we call today Greece in that area. When Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and they brought him to the judgment seat. And they said, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Now, stop for a moment. Uh, do you have a little bit of flashback to the Gospels of how the Jews did the same thing to Jesus? and brought him up to the Roman authorities, up to Pilate, and said, hey, you know, this guy is uh, causing insurrection, causing us, you know, to, to be drawn away. Well, this is what they're doing here. They, they brought uh, Paul to the Roman proconsul of that area. Says, this guy is persuading men to worship God contrary to our law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth to, again, uh, kind of defend himself, I love how this works. Uh, Galileo, the, the, the proconsul, he says to the Jews, he says, if this was a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, oh, Jews, there, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it's a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourself, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. I love that. God uses this pagan, non-believing Roman leader to protect his missionary in the area. Let me ask you, can God use the pagans? Absolutely. Can God use those that don't know him to still get his will done? Absolutely. Why? Because he is sovereign, because he is omnipotent, because he is all-powerful. He is able to, again, even direct the hearts of men. Well, Galileo, he drove them from his judgment seat, and then all the Greeks, listen to this, all the Greeks then took Sosthenes, the, the new ruler of the synagogue, because remember, Crispus had come to faith in Christ, the other ruler of the synagogue. Now they, they've got a, a new one. They took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him before the judgment seat. But Galileo took no notice of these things. They took their own ruler of their own synagogue, and they beat him, I guess, because he wasn't able to raise up enough of a charge against Paul that Galileo would do anything about it. But they beat him. And the interesting thing is uh, we find that Sosthenes becomes a believer. And later we see him right here with the Apostle Paul. They beat him, and Galileo took no notice in verse 18. So Paul still remained a good while. So it's not like Paul said, okay, my year and a half is up, and I'm out of here. No, even after that, he stayed for a good while. Then finally, he took a leave of the brethren. He sailed for Syria with Priscilla and Aquila were with him. Open our hearts, change. 
That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share with you how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit TheOpenWord.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are thankful you've listened to today's message but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Here's Pastor David with more information. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship and fellowship and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning and on Wednesday and Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.